This is the story of how a group of people brought music back to Afghanistan by creating their own version of American Idol. The joy they brought to the nation. You're free completely. No one is there to destroy you. The danger they endured. They said my head should be cut off. I'm John Legend. Listen to Afghan Star on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. <laughs> Diversion Audio A note. This episode contains descriptions of violence that may be disturbing for some audiences. Please take care in listening. This series is based on historical characters and real events. Some dialogue has been imagined for dramatic purposes when no primary source material is available. Virginia Hall's predicament was pressing. A spy working for the Nazis she knew as Father Akan, real name Robert Alesh, had exposed her identity to the enemy. Now she had to get out of France and into Spain, and that meant an excruciating climb over 30 miles of tumultuous mountain terrain. It meant crossing the Pyrenees. Well, it's, it's a chain of mountains. It stretches from the Atlantic to the Mediterranean like a kind of belt. And it's a very natural border between France and Spain. It's very wild. That's Edward Sturton, a BBC broadcaster who made a commemorative trek across the Pyrenees some 70 years after Virginia Hall. And gosh, it was brutal. I mean, it really, really was brutal. Some of it you're almost climbing. They put um, guide ropes in so you can haul yourself up, but just scrambling up rocks. And it made you realize what it must have been like for the people who did that during the war. After his trek, Sturton wrote a book called Cruel Crossing, Escaping Hitler Across the Pyrenees, about the people who fled occupied Europe via this mountain range 
during World War II. And I think that there is a strong sense that the memory of what happened then and the extraordinary heroism that people, and generosity of spirit actually, that people showed, needs to be remembered. The Pyrenees claimed many lives once the Nazis took over France, as French immigrants downed Allied soldiers and Jewish Europeans attempted to flee over the mountains. They were the back door to occupied Europe. Because if you think about it, once the Germans had moved in and occupied France and taken Belgium and Holland and so forth, there was no other way out of Europe. You couldn't go east because you'd bump into Germany. There was the sea, but that was extremely perilous. So the Pyrenees was really the only sort of the emergency exit, if you like. And the trek was arduous, to say the least. Some froze to death. Some suffocated from the lack of oxygen that came with the heights. Some fell into a rocky grave. Others got lost and were never heard from again. That's nothing to say of the avalanches that plague the mountains every year. And on top of all that, there was always the risk that you'd be captured by the Germans. Edward Sturton remembers a story he heard about a child whose mother carried her across the mountain range. They had one uh, extraordinary memory that had come down to her from her, her mother who carried her across the mountains, which was that she cried as a child, as a child would, in freezing cold temperatures and up in the mountains. And the guide said, stop your child crying because otherwise it'll alert the Germans to where we are. And if you can't stop it crying, I'm going to shoot it which, I mean, sounds awful, but that kind of thing went on in the high mountains in what were very extreme conditions where everybody was risking their lives. Virginia knew that attempting the trek alone would mean death, especially given that she'd be hiking with her prosthetic leg. Luckily, Perpignan, the town she'd landed in, had a resistance contact she knew fairly well, a man known to her by his code name. Gilbert. <laughs> so I say to my friends, if you didn't want the calf, you shouldn't have paid for the cow. <laughs> Gilbert. Ah, Marie. Oh, my dear and darling. Mwah, mwah, mwah. A uh, surprise trip to Papignon? Looking for some uh, mountain air? You don't know the alphabet. Can you get me over? You want to take the hike? I do. Can you find me a guide? <laughs> it's funny how fate works, huh? Of course I can get you a guide. For the right price. And I want to introduce you to my friends. Antoine, Jean, and Henri. Bonjour. Mademoiselle. Hello. They are desperate to get over the mountain as well. But they've come to me a bit uh, empty-pocketed. Virginia couldn't help but feel betrayed. How could Gilbert be so avaricious when four lives were at stake? But there'd been news recently of additional Germans entering France to defend against the oncoming American forces. Fears were growing everywhere. Money would be even harder to come by. Gilbert was one of Virginia's best contacts, who specialized in shepherding runaways out of the country. But it always came with a price. What were you thinking, Gilles? 70,000 francs. 70,000? You mean rice, Mark? 
You intend to win the war, don't you? What good will German money be then? <sighs> 55. Franck. That's as much as I can do. Or I could have the five of us bound together and rolled into the nearest herd of Gestapo. Whichever works better for your wallet, Gilles. <laughs> uh, you've got a deal. Enjoy your trip. I would bundle up if I were you. I'm Stephen Talty, and from Diversion, this is Good Assassins Season 2. Being killed would be the easy part. Being tortured would be the hard part. Our intel suggests she is behind many of the prison bricks all over the country. She is dangerous. So sabotage, plus a little espionage, paramilitary operations make things blow up. A message for Captain Barbie. I believe I have found the nest of the limping lady. Episode 7, Escape into the Mountains. Late in the night of November 11, 1942, Virginia found herself in a car with the three fleeing Frenchmen. Driven by her contact Gilbert to the nearby town of Lava Lanay, where their guide across the mountains was waiting for them. The ride was mostly silent. Virginia felt shame emitting from the other passengers Henri, Antoine, and Jean. They didn't seem like men who wanted to accept any kind of charity. They arrived in Lava Lanay, and Virginia was introduced to their guide, a tall, muscular Basque man introduced as Juan. When he saw that one of the hikers was a woman, Juan sneered, muttering a curse of annoyance in Spanish to Gilbert. Virginia responded to Juan's insult in Spanish, embarrassing him and quickly shutting him up. It wasn't the best first impression, but Virginia couldn't help herself. The route they would be taking over the Pyrenees was dangerous, and Juan was unconvinced that a woman could handle the journey. I think the passeur were extremely picky about who they took, precisely because it was so dangerous and they were risking their own lives. Uh, so I can't imagine any child doing this on foot, uh, to be honest, it's, it's too tough. That's Edward Sturton again. Being a guide or passeur was incredibly dangerous. If they were found out, they, you know, things could be very, very nasty indeed. And Many of them who were caught went off into camps in Germany. A lot of them died. A lot of them died in really awful ways. The Germans had a system called Nacht and Nebel, night and fog, which meant that people just disappeared into the system of concentration camps and nobody knew where they were, which of course was intended to frighten anybody considering going onto the wrong side and, and joining an escape line and helping people to get over, over the Pyrenees. The next morning, November 12th, Juan woke up his crew by handing them knapsacks with food for the trek. He informed the four that they'd each be responsible for rationing their own meals, and they couldn't bring anything extra, as the added weight would slow them down. Juan gave them the impression he was a real mountain man, as cold and hard as the rocky exteriors he navigated for a living. 
Virginia quickly realized that she'd have to hide her false leg from Juan the entire trip, as there'd be no way he'd bring her along if he found out that in addition to being a woman, she was also disabled. As the five marched to the beginning of the trail, Juan peppered them with facts about this part of the Pyrenees. The highest peak was estimated to be about 11,000 feet. The range had claimed over 30 lives just that year. And there were rumors you could hear the ghostly cries of the lost in the gusts of wind that blew up from the valleys below. From everything we know about her, Virginia Hall was not a superstitious person. By all accounts, she was very rational, even skeptical. Still, she couldn't help but listen for whispers in the wind as they began their mountain ascent. In November, it would have been, you know, that part of the Pyrenees, deep winter, deep snow, very, very cold, absolutely brutal conditions, I would think. Edward Sturton again. You certainly freeze to death, no question about it. It's difficult to convey quite what it's like when it gets really, really cold. Think of your worst, your, your coldest cold day and then multiply it by a hundred. And remember, of course, that you are trying at the same time to trek up the very difficult terrain. Many didn't make it. And a lot of those who did make it tell stories of terrible choices. You know, when, you're, when your friend is exhausted, do you leave him or do you, do you try and bring him with, with you? It didn't take long before discomfort and fatigue began to creep in. It took the group several hours to hike uphill through the Orgay Valley, and Virginia's stump had begun to feel rubbed raw. She could feel it blistering against the coarse wood of her false leg, but knew that stopping would reveal her disability too early. She realized she couldn't ignore this reality for much longer. If she could just make it to the midpoint of the journey before she revealed anything to Juan, at least at that point, he wouldn't risk turning back. The people of Marseille are astonished, according to Vichy Radio, at the large number of troops the Germans are pouring into the city. Each day so far has brought a larger influx than the day before. Sixty contingents are expected. All available housing accommodation has been requisitioned. Just days before Virginia began this mountain escape in November 1942, the Nazi regime had in fact extended its occupation and formal governance of France with a further invasion of France's southern quote-unquote free zone. So by this time, some two years into the Nazi occupation, even the mountain ranges were patrolled by the Germans, especially at night. They'd built a number of tiny three-man forts at various checkpoints throughout the Pyrenees, which allowed them to capture escapees and fugitives and quickly process their papers for deportation to concentration camps. Juan planned so the group was mostly traveling in the evening and morning hours for the long stretches with little natural cover. That way, hiding would be easier if necessary. It was just one rule. Never split from the group. If I lose you for even a minute, I lose you forever. It's not my job to find you. 
It was one of the few things that Juan would say the entire trip. He was stoic, no nonsense. But something about him made Virginia's highly attuned censors suspicious. Juan wasn't a member of the resistance. He was just one of Gilbert's contacts, and Virginia hadn't had time to check his background. It was entirely possible that he could be leading them right into the hands of the enemy. He'd already been paid, and there was nothing stopping him from taking bribes from the Nazis. Once the idea popped into her head, Virginia couldn't get it out. She imagined finally reaching the highest peak of the Pyrenees, straining every muscle in her body to make the ascent, only to be handed over to the waiting, sickening smiles of Robert Alesh and Klaus Barbie. She could practically hear Alesh's voice, taunting her. I thought you were smarter than this, Misol. And yet here you are, delivered to me with your filthy tail between your legs. She noticed that much of Juan's trail seemed to follow closely along a winding mountain stream. Virginia decided that if he tried anything funny, she could take the knife she'd brought along to defend herself and put some of her SOE combat training to good use. Then maybe she could guide the men herself along the stream until they reached Spain. She was ready to do it. But watching Juan on the trail and noting again his enormous size and strength She prayed Juan was on the up and up. We'll find out after the break. When the Taliban banned music in Afghanistan, millions were plunged into silence. Radios were smashed, cassettes burned. You could be beaten or jailed or killed for breaking the rules. And yet, Afghans did it anyway. This is the story of how a group of people brought music back to Afghanistan by creating their own version of American Idol. The danger they endured. They said my head should be cut off. The joy they brought to the nation. You're free completely. No one is there to destroy you. I'm John Legend. Listen to Afghan Star on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then... Fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. 
At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And, of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you ready to fight back against crime? Hi, guys. Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies, personally investigating, prosecuting, and covering literally thousands of cases. It's so easy to think it will never happen to me or my family, but that is simply not true. Every day on Crime Stories with Nancy Grace, we shine a light on unsolved homicides, heat up cold cases, and help find missing people, especially children. We speak with family members, investigators, CSI, reporters, and experts in every field. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Hi, this is Stephen Talty, host of Good Assassins. The folks that helped me bring you this show have just launched another podcast that we think you'll like. It's called War Queens. Every episode of War Queens tells the story of a fearless, powerful female leader from history. From Elizabeth Tudor and Golda Meir's high-stakes wartime gambles, to Angola's Queen Najinga's willingness to shed and occasionally drink blood to defend her kingdom, to Indira Gandhi's war to solve a refugee crisis, and so many more. These are super engrossing stories, told by expert historians in a way that's accessible and interesting. It's great listening. Every episode of War Queens brings you the stories of extraordinary leaders, all of them legends. War Queens is out now. Follow the show on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, and wherever you listen to podcasts. The trek was proving brutal. Juan had led the four travelers out of the most dangerous German hot zones, but now they faced an elemental disaster. Deep, heavy snow that devoured every step they took. This was especially tough for Virginia, whose wooden leg was of almost no use. Her stub was mangled, bloody, and splintered, and she couldn't push it against the fallen snow floor that came up as high as her knees. She instead had to move forward on her good leg and quickly follow behind in a sidestepping motion that got Juan's attention. He must have found it strange, but he didn't comment. 
Now, if you haven't already gotten a clear picture of Virginia Hall as a tough, badass spy, the fact that she's managing this harsh, miserable mountain expedition with a prosthetic leg should bring it into focus. At a pass between the mountains, Juan noted they were at about 8,000 feet, so they'd have to be mindful of their breathing. He informed them a substantial break would be coming soon. Sighs of relief came from the frozen, exhausted group. Up ahead, Juan pointed out an old cabin he used for his trips. Inside, he promised, they'd find shelter and beds. The trio of men were ecstatic. Virginia, on the other hand, knew this would be the perfect place for an ambush. Still, she didn't really have another option. The cabin wasn't significantly warmer than what they trudged through for hours, but it did protect them from the snow and wind. There are cuts for everyone. Get some rest. We have to be on our feet soon. I'll make a fire. A fire will attract attention, won't it? It'll be small. The wind will hide the smoke. Again, alarm bells sounded in Virginia's head. She had learned to trust her gut. It had served her well. And her guts were telling her something was wrong. But the stream they had seemed to be following had fallen away. Her foot and hands were frozen. If Juan was a traitor, there was really nothing she could do. She wouldn't win a physical fight with him, and even if she did, she'd either freeze to death in the cabin or be lost in the mountains. Her best plan was to just play along with Juan and hope for the best. As Edward Sturton explains... And once you're at the top, stopping is not an option. You know, you can't just take a break. You have to keep going. After Juan finally warmed the cabin with a fire, Virginia waited for the men to fall asleep. Then she checked her bad leg. Her stump was blistered and swollen, with blood oozing through the sock. She cleaned it as best she could and carefully replaced the dressing. All the while, wincing in extreme pain. After she dressed the wound, she attempted to get some sleep, keeping her knife under her knapsack. If someone attacked, it was within arm's reach, and she would go down fighting. Virginia's later reports on Robert Alesh imply he was always top of mind for her. She had made a thrilling life for herself as a spy, and he had almost single-handedly stolen it away, forcing her to flee France and her work with the resistance. It isn't a stretch to think that on this perilous journey, he appeared to her in dreams and nightmares, still in hot pursuit. If only you were smarter, Miss Hall, you could have said so many no. more. No, no, <laughs> no. Marie. Hmm? Hello? What? Marie! Hmm. Virginia had fallen asleep and slept like a rock for four hours. It took her a minute to register that Juan was addressing her with her codename. It's time to go. She hadn't been attacked or turned over to the Gestapo. Robert Alesh was nowhere to be found. In silence, an embarrassed Virginia prepared for the rest of the trip. They packed up and returned to the trail. After a few hours of hiking, the group arrived at a small village nestled in a valley. Juan claimed to know a family living in the town and said that they had offered up their home 
to any resistance fugitives. It was the first time Virginia heard Juan actually reference the resistance, and this allowed some of her paranoia to dwindle away. They arrived at the home of a young couple named Philippe and Anne-Marie. Their last names have been lost to history. Philippe and Anne-Marie invited the group in and treated them like family. Virginia had never been more elated to see civilization in her life. Philippe also allowed Virginia to use his radio to contact London, so she could update them on her status through the mountains. Using Morse code, Virginia informed the SOE of her whereabouts. There was a safe house midway where the famous radio transmission took place. That's Judith Pearson, an expert on Virginia Hall who wrote The Wolves at the Door, the true story of America's greatest female spy. She radioed to London saying that she was out of France and in Spain and halfway to where they would catch the train to Madrid. And they asked her if she was having any problems. And she replied, Cuthbert is giving me trouble. And they responded, if Cuthbert is a bother, have him eliminated. And of course, no one knew that Cuthbert was the name of her leg. Virginia felt like the worst of her journey was behind her. There was only one more stretch to go in Virginia's hellish hike over the Pyrenees Mountains. The group said goodbye to their hosts and began their descent into lush, green Spanish valleys. Finally, they had crossed the French border and made it into Spain. Now they had to be wary of Spanish border guards. At this point, late in 1942, Spain's international allegiances were nebulous. Spain, on the other side, of course, was neutral during the war. Neutral and leaning towards Germany at the beginning. Spain had initially declared neutrality in the war, but offered volunteers to fight alongside the Germans against the Soviet Union. And sometimes they made life difficult for people who came over the mountains. In some cases, they even sent them back. However, Spain was wary of fighting against the U.S., who was an important trade partner, and they were terrified of an assault from the British. Virginia wouldn't have to worry about German troops on patrol in Spain, though she'd have to scrutinize citizens' individual loyalties. Virginia's party managed to cross over the border without incident and arrived at their destination, the small town of San Juan de las Abadesas. Juan led them to a local safe house. When he informed them that he'd be returning the next morning, his departure was anything but sentimental. Virginia thanked him with some extra funds. He thanked her in return, and then he was gone. Virginia couldn't help but be in awe of his survival skills as he disappeared back into the mountains that almost killed her. Now, they needed to catch a train out of town to Barcelona after the break. When the Taliban banned music in Afghanistan, millions were plunged into silence. Radios were smashed, cassettes burned. You could be beaten or jailed or killed for breaking the rules. And yet, Afghans did it anyway. This is the story of how a group of people brought music back to Afghanistan by creating their own version of American Idol. The danger they endured. They said my head should be cut off. 
the joy they brought to the nation. You're free completely. No one is there to destroy you. I'm John Legend. Listen to Afghan Star on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then... Fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you ready to fight back against crime? Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies, personally investigating, prosecuting, and covering literally thousands of cases. It's so easy to think it will never happen to me or my family, but that is simply not true. Every day on Crime Stories with Nancy Grace, we shine a light on unsolved homicides, heat up cold cases, and help find missing people, especially children. We speak with family members, investigators, CSI, reporters, and experts in every field. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. The train's departure to Barcelona is at 5.45 the next morning. 
SOE informants had given Virginia this time because they noted that the Spanish police didn't patrol the station that early. They could easily get through without official passports. If true, this would be a break for Virginia, who hadn't had time to forge fake documents before fleeing Lyon. It wasn't the type of careful prep Virginia usually adhered to. Hey, you! Stop! But she'd been misinformed. The station did, in fact, have four guards on duty, and they couldn't help but notice a limping woman leading around three foreign-looking men. They were questioned, and when they couldn't provide the proper paperwork, all four were arrested at gunpoint. Okay, let's go, huh? Move it! Virginia was separated from the group for questioning. Because she didn't know the men personally, she didn't know their histories. The police drilled her for hours. She refused to answer the questions, saying only that she wished to speak to someone in the American embassy. Her requests were denied. Get in there. This is how Virginia Hall came to be in a Spanish prison on November 13, 1942, just two trains away from safety in London. She had come so far. She had built a new resistance faction in France. She had stopped numerous German plots and saved numerous British and French lives. She had outmaneuvered her adversary, Robert Alesh, one of the Gestapo's favorite spies. And now she was locked up. She feared these local officers would contact others, discover she was wanted, and hand her over to the Germans to collect the price on her head. She had no moves to play, no hidden tools of escape or weapons to surprise her captors. It felt like the end of the road. All she could do was pray they wouldn't in fact discover who she really was. And although Virginia Hall was a spy of great skill and talent, she had little experience with prayer. That was Robert Alesh's expertise. Coming up on the next episode of Good Assassins. I want to speak to the American embassy. I'm an American. There was no way she would survive, even if they were able to infiltrate her back into the country. There were too many things against her. Marie Mona. Interrogation is not something that I grow tired of, Dr. Gosset. I mean, by this point, by 1943, and especially by 1944, you pretty much know that if you're in active resistance and you get caught, you are going to suffer the greatest consequences. If you have any questions for us about Good Assassins, if you're curious about some aspect of Virginia Hall's story, or have any comments on the podcast, we'd love to hear from you. Please email us at goodassassins at diversionaudio.com. Make sure you spell assassins correctly. Again, that's goodassassins at diversionaudio.com. We'll try to answer your questions on a future episode. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at diversionpods. Good Assassins is a production of Diversion Audio in association with iHeart Podcasts. This season is hosted by Stephen Talty and written by C.D. Carpenter. Produced and directed by Kevin Thompson for Real Jetpacks Productions. Story editing by Jacob Bronstein with editorial direction from Scott Waxman. Additional research and reporting by Sophie McNulty. 
Theme music by Tyler Cash. Featuring the voices of Michaela Izquierdo, Rafael Corkill, Lena Klingeman, John Pierkis, Andrew Polk, Orla Cassidy, Manuel Falciano, Sean Gormley, Matthew Ament, and Steve Routman. Sound design, mixing, and mastering by Paul Goodrich. Sound editing by Justin Kilpatrick. Executive producers, Jacob Bronstein, Mark Francis, and Scott Waxman for Diversion Audio. Diversion Audio. This is the story of how a group of people brought music back to Afghanistan by creating their own version of American Idol. The joy they brought to the nation. You're free completely. No one is there to destroy you. The danger they endured. They said my head should be cut off. I'm John Legend. Listen to Afghan Star on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.